3: What's up, guys? Welcome in Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on PackerNet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. You can text us 865-658-5824. I'm flying solo as of right now. We may have Jacob jump on here in a second. Tim might pop in too. But I just want to hop on here and, and talk a little Packers with you guys today. Obviously, the Super Bowl is scheduled for this evening, um, really, really looking forward to watching that game and kind of seeing, uh, you know, how, how each team approaches the game plan really is what I'm excited about. You know, when, anytime the Packers aren't playing, it gives me an opportunity to kind of sit back and enjoy the game. But also I do like to kind of look at it from the lens of a Packer fan and say, okay, what are they trying to do schematically on offense, defense? And, and really what you've got here is you've got Kansas City who surprised everyone with their defense this year right, where they have one of the best defenses in the league. Uh, I think they were second in scoring defense, second in passing defense. Um, And then, of course, you've got San Francisco, who were third in scoring defense, um, fifth in passing defense. Now, San Francisco has a little bit better run defense, ranked 17th as far as uh, yards per carry. Um, And then I think uh, Kansas City was 25th in stopping the run, yards per carry allowed. So. I know the people that giggled and laughed during the season about, oh, all you're doing is focusing on points per game, points per game. The three hottest teams in the league. Oh, by the way, four, the top four scoring defenses as far as points per game and points per play. Once again, all playoff teams. You got Baltimore was first, Kansas City was second, San Francisco was third, Tampa Bay was fourth. All those teams made the playoffs. And, of course, the number two and the number three points per play team um, is actually playing for the for the Lombardi so it's just important to remember this stuff because when you get in season people are going to pretend like that those type of things don't matter they're going to key in on their DVOA and and all these other cherry-picked statistics and analytics to try to prove their point these are the numbers I've been looking at for a very long time and, and points per play is what Vegas keys in on big time and you know you you wanna you're probably not gonna find a more important way to try to determine the out the future outcome of a game than the fact that Vegas has got a ton of a ton of money invested in getting that line as close to accurate as possible, right? So it's just important to uh to mention those things as we kinda go into another off season and then of course next year as well. It gets heated in season. People People want to be right on their takes, and I, and I get all that, but at the end of the day, man, it's important to talk about what's actually happening on the field. But when we're talking about points and points spread and everything, just want to give a shout-out uh, to uh, BetUS. They are the official sportsbook of Packers Total Access Live. If you guys want to support the show and do it in a way that doesn't cost any money at all, just click on the link in the description of this video that I'll send you directly to BetUS if you guys want to put a little action on the game tonight. If you use that link, Going through um, our YouTube description here in the in the description of this video, um, that'll basically send you directly to Bet US, where you can register for free as a customer. And by using that link to register, it lets them know that we sent you to them. Just another way you can support the show and show them that uh that you're kind of backing us in that regard. So just keep that in mind. If you do decide to put a little bit on, I will say, gamble responsibly. Obviously, don't ever bet a single dime that you can't afford to lose. That's my roll of thumb, and again, that's BetUS. They are America's favorite sports book. Uh, Been in business now for 30 years. Uh, Really excited about our partnership there with them for sure. Also, you'll find a link in the description for the merch store that people were asking about as well. If you're interested in that, no pressure there. Okay, listen, my opinion, Stuff's priced kind of high, just being honest. <laughs> but if you guys do want to support and get you some cool merch, we got some PTA merch in there for you guys and gals that enjoy the show. So let's go to the chat real quick. I know it's pretty pretty lit in here already this morning. Nick McSwain in the house says, that interview with Micah Parsons was really interesting. It was cool seeing Love being more himself. I agree, man. It, it, you kind of see Love put on a couple of different hats at times. We got Tim jumping in here with us. Um, you kind of see Love put different hats on at times, right? And and when he does it, it's, you know, everybody does this, right? People used to dog Rogers for it because he would talk in a different tone when he's speaking to someone else on the team, whether it was a teammate or a certain interviewer, whether it's Pat McAfee or whoever, right? I think everybody's guilty of it. But it is cool to see love with other players and you see him relax. You see his demeanor completely change. Um, I kind of like, like seeing it. I, I think I told you guys in the offseason I had heard a podcast where someone interviewed him and it was really laid back. The interviewer was dropping like F bomb after F bomb. I didn't hear Jordan, you know, say one bad word, but you could tell Jordan was more, it was like he was talking to one of his guys, right? One of his boys. So um, it's cool to see him kind of take on uh, that, that role, if you will, you know, as far as just kind of being relaxed and actually talking, I thought his personality really shined in the Kay Adams interview too. Um, Just, just fun. You could tell he's just kind of laid back. He doesn't take himself too serious, that's what I really enjoy about Jordan Love, for sure, man. Um, let's see. Nick McSwain also said, Parsons said, you did more than Rodgers last year with the same roster. A lot of people have been saying that and liked how Love snapped back, LOL. Yeah, Love always kind of comes to the defense of Rodgers, for sure. Um, and, you know, again, people say you did you did a lot more with the same roster. I'm sorry, was Jaden Reed on that roster? <laughs> was Dontavian Wicks on that roster? Was Luke Musgrave on that roster? Was Tucker Kraft on that roster? Right? Like it it wasn't the same roster. And on top of that, the receivers they did have that year, they led the league in drops. That's not an opinion, that's that's a fact, right? Like I mean that's they were tied for first in the league in drop passes. This year I think we finished middle of the pack. Last time I checked, it was somewhere around 16th or 17th in drop passes. With, you know, it being we were on the right side, I should say. Sometimes those numbers get a little bit confusing. We were on the right side of half the halfway point in drops. So um, so yeah, that whole narrative and, and again, you could just see people are waiting to pounce on that, and that's cool. Let them let them do their thing, you know. But I think it's awesome that love always takes the high road. He always talks about how Rogers took him under his wing. He always talks about him and Rogers communicate on a weekly basis before and after games. You always talk about how Rogers had his back. Um, I just think it's uh I think we need to I don't say we, I shouldn't say we, I'm going to key in on, here's what love is actually saying about the situation. Here's what Rogers has actually said about the situation, not the people that you could come through their Twitter feed and just see that they've hated on Rogers ever since he refused to get vaccinated. Right. So that's kind of how i see that. Tim, how you doing this morning, Bubba? Diesel's kicking in slowly, but surely (laughs) you look like me, man. I woke up really, really late. First of all, the phone rang. At like five o'clock this morning, and I was like, "What in the world?" And it was, you know, and, and looked at the the phone, and it was somewhere in North Carolina, randomly five o'clock in the morning. Wrong number. Like, what in the hell is going on right now? So, I'm uh I'm running on fumes myself. I'm on my second cup of diesel here, but it's good to have <laughs> you in here, Bob, for sure. Um, Better
1: late than never. Lombardi would be pissed right now. I'm I'm late. <laughs>
3: Exactly. Uh, let's see. Uh, Dick in the chat says, "I thought that Micah Parsons interview was was about the best I've ever seen. Um, like being a fly on the wall, listening to two great players just talking, especially when Jordan drew out the play. And we got hit with a copyright for sharing that yesterday. Uh, so I don't want to show any more of that. Uh, but uh, obviously, uh, just uh, just wanted to share that video with with Jordan Love. But yeah, he drew out a play. When I say drew out, he he wrote out the the verbiage of it." And Maka takes it, and he's kind of reading over it or whatever. And Jordan's like, you know what, taking you a while over there. And he's like, well, we might play y'all again next year in the playoffs. <laughs> he was like he was trying to memorize the play. It was cool banter back and forth. Listen, Micah Parsons, what he's done since he come in the league, in my opinion, he's the closest thing I've seen to Lawrence Taylor. Like, And I don't say that as if Maka is a much better player mm-hmm. than, say, a T.J. Watt or a J.J. Watt was, the style of player. Like you know, Lawrence Lawrence mainly was a pass rusher, but he could drop in coverage if he needed to. When you when you turn on the Giants game, I, I challenge anyone who hasn't watched Lawrence Taylor play. Some of the young pups there in the chat, go to YouTube and just watch his highlights, and you will go, my God, there's no one today that plays quite like Lawrence Taylor did. Now, listen, he was on the booger sugar that came out later, right? So let's be honest, he was a little hopped up on the playing field. Um, some people are going, "What does that mean?" Don't Google it, please. But anyway. Um, Maka, to me, is the closest thing to it. Quick twitch, plays with a lot of energy. He can play stackbacker. He can rush the quarterback. Um, they finally realized, you know what, what the heck are we doing having him play stack backer? Let's just have him rush the quarterback all the time. And it, and it really paid off for Dallas, for sure. So, um, Tim, you got a chance, I'm sure, to watch Lawrence Taylor play back in the day, man. What, what was, Tell these people what that was like.
1: <laughs> um, fear. Fear would be a word that you would use to describe LT. Um, all yeah. over the place. Um, psychotic maybe would be a another word um but under control as a, a player most of the time and yeah feared and respected by his opponents of course and uh just a different era of football though too you talk about arriving at confrontation holy cow lt man y- you watch his highlights i mean 90% of those hits are are 15 yard flags in our in our game today so um, just a throwback to the old school era, but yeah, L- LT was fun to watch, man. One of the one of the best to ever do it. I I always go back and forth. I think it's uh, you know Reggie White and uh, and Lawrence Taylor, probably the two greatest defensive players of all time, in my opinion.
3: Yeah, definitely, man. He he was just like I said, an absolute blast to watch. Um, and and I was really young at the time, and you know, I was born in '82, so you know he he really kind of hit his peak late '80s, early '90s. So. You know, I'm like 10 years old as his career started winding down. So uh, I just remember all. I remember the Joe Theismann hit where he broke mm-hmm. Joe Theismann's leg. Don't go YouTube that unless you want to mm-hmm. throw up on your keyboard. But uh, er, er, immediately the viewers go down. <laughs> you know they're hopping over there watching right now. You I'm
1: know like, that play yeah. shows shows um, it really does though. In a in a nutshell, who LT was all in one play Bl- yeah. blows up a play, uh, sacks the quarterback ruin someone's career. But then in the, in the same instant is, you know, the ultimate good sport. And you, you watch, you see Lawrence Taylor waving over staff immediately because he knew something was wrong. Um, and, you know, he wasn't trying to hurt Joe Theismann intentionally. It's just one of those things that happen. Um But yeah, man, you know, I use the term res, uh, respect and feared because that's that's what it was. There was a healthy fear and a health, healthy dose of respect for uh for LT for sure.
3: Yeah, no doubt, man. So mentioning the Micah Parsons interview, I actually just pulled it up here. Um, the uh, the video, you know, he was talking about Aaron Jones blocking him, and we played that specific clip yesterday on the show. We're not gonna play that clip again. What I'm gonna do here is key up the chalk talk segment. Now I cannot stand to hear the you know the sound of my voice, so I'm not going to play the original audio. But you could tell, uh, you you pretty much catch what me and Emilio were breaking down here on this play. This is the specific play that Micah was talking about, and and what he was mentioning here was basically this was the blocking play by Aaron Jones on Micah. Okay, so Micah's down here on the bottom of the screen. You're going to see him rush right. We're kind of blocking it. What I'm going to do is take us off the screen for just a second so you guys can see this a little bit better. Uh, probably get hit with a copyright here, too. Oh, well, that's the, that's the name of the game nowadays. But look at Micah just beats Tom like a drum, right? And listen, this isn't a knock on Zach Tom. Micah's one of the best to do it. Look at him go outside, stutter, little rip, little mini rip. Look at Jonesy. Bang, right there, right? And it doesn't look like a whole lot, but look, that gave Jordan time to throw that ball, right? And one of the things that he was talking about, he be a Maka, is how it was like, you know, Aaron Jones was just following me around and Jordan said, no, he really wasn't. It was just, he was just really, really aware of everything going on around him. You know, another aspect too. he said, they do have like a, I can't remember the term they use where, where you basically take their superstar out of the equation. They will intentionally line a running back up over there, but this is a play fake. And then look at Jones. He gets squared up and just bang it. We're lucky Tom didn't get called for a hold there, but watch, watch, uh Micah Parsons at the end here. Watch him lean on Jordan.
2: That was a blow, Tim.
1: <laughs> look look, looked like this. a forearm if yeah. you run it back. It looked like Jones, he just gave him a good, it looked like a forearm to the right to the sternum.
3: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Again, you see him. He's gonna give a little stutter outside, a little mini rip, a little dip and rip. And look at this.
1: Yeah, right oh. forearm. See that? Boom. Yeah. And you're right. That looked like a play where Jones was supposed to run out to the flat. And he just – he's like, nah, I think I'll stay here and help my quarterback.
3: Yeah, you, right there is what I'm talking about, man, him leaning. Now on the backside of this play, you're going to see Romeo Dobbs just absolutely cook. I think it was Stephon Gilmore. Uh just so happens this was the play we were talking about last night on PTA Live where he just uh, – like I said, he, he demolishes – the uh, the secondary here. This is man coverage. This is why I'm not a big man coverage fan. I hope we don't run as much man coverage as people think we are this year. Here you're going to see man. Look at Stefan Gilmore on the bottom right corner, right? He's trying to step. I think this is yeah, I think this is him on this route. No, it was someone else. My bad. So this is number 2. We're walking uh Gilmore out here, but look at number 2 right there on Romeo Dobbs. Watch Romeo Dobbs. He's going to sell the crosser and then he's going to come back on what we call a sell, right? Watch this. Sell it. One last little touch. Look at this guy swimming right here. That's what that's what I love about this play. Watch the defender's arm. Watch him wave at the sideline. Watch the defender here. Whoop. Yeah. <laughs> and look at that separation by Dobby, man. That's just phenomenal, dude. Oh, he's so good, man. I mean Yeah. He might he, he might be the,
1: the best to- route runner on our team. I I I mean, but there's so much talent there. That's not to take anything away from Wicks or Reed or, you know, right. but my goodness, just so smooth. He's just so there's no wasted motion with with Romeo Dobbs on these routes at that's,
3: all. That's the perfect perfect description, Tim for sure. No wasted motion. Um, I you know what's crazy is he he's grading out as our third best wide receiver too. That's what's wild. Like I'm really excited about Dontavian Wicks. I think if he gets more snaps next year, you're going to really see him shine. And he came in a little bit banged up this year too, right? So, um, yeah. Yeah, hopefully the stream didn't go down there. Um, I don't think it did. It's still showing we got a ton of people in here, but uh, that's all we'll show of that. But I just thought it would be important to kind of relive that and what Michael was talking about as far as getting stung by by Aaron Jones there on that play. Let's go to the chat real quick. we got Ron in the house says, going to be watching the 49ers defense closely for comparison to what the Packers will run. That's what's so, so wild about this offseason, Ron. We don't know if they're going to run more of what the Niners run. You know, and the reason we think that and the reason we've talked about it here specifically on this show is because Halfley, the last time he was in the league, he coached for the Niners, but that was a long time ago, right? Things change, things get adjusted. Since then, they, since Halfley was there, they moved on from Robert Sala, right? Robert Sala got hired in New York with the Jets, and then um, they hired D'Amico Ryans, and now D'Amico Ryans has moved on. So you're going to get like, you know, you're probably going to get, a little bit different 49ers look as far as the defense from what they ran when Halfley was there, but if you want to kind of follow it closer, I think Sala's probably the closer bet to what Halfley will run because that's who he's kind of in communication with in the league when he refers to his friends in the NFL. It's people on Sala's staff for the most part, right? So three defenses. If you want to start diving into the tape and going, okay, it could look like this. I would start with the Jets and Salah's defense, right? Then I would move on to the 49ers or actually D'Amico Ryan's defense in Houston and the 49ers defense. Those are the three. So, yeah, seeing that the Super Bowl is tonight, we're all going to be watching it anyway, Ron. I agree with you really keen on that 49ers defense. they go, okay, they're in a 4-3 front. Are they playing zone? Are they playing man? Are they middle field closed, middle field open? How often are they blitzing? Are they just bringing four like the numbers suggest? Are they actually bringing five and six? Are they playing buzz, meaning the safety's coming down and rotating? Are they playing drop? Um, who's, who's designated to the flats? How much zone match are they running? Those type of things, right? That might be a fun way to chart the game. Of course, it's a Super Bowl. Everybody's going to have a little sauce in them. They're going to be Full from eating and uh, probably not going to be charting many, many snaps of the game. But we got Jacob in here. He comes in with a strong yawn. How you doing, Jake? Hey, guys. Happy Super Bowl <laughs> Sunday. Uh,
1: <laughs> happy Big Game Sunday. We don't want to yeah. get another copyright strike, right? That's right. Large game for the fan base Sunday. <laughs> Hold on,
3: are we not allowed to say the, the SB word? I,
1: I mean, that's what I heard. It's it's copywritten or trademark. Say anything nowadays.
3: Let me yeah. tell you something. Rules are meant to be broken. Today is the Super Bowl. You can have the dollar seventy-five monetization.
0: There you go. <laughs> what the hell's going on out here? I be listening If I can't jump on, I didn't get to hear it today. I slept like a rock last night.
3: Man. Bro, we were just talking about. It. Tim woke up late. I woke up late. You know, I think none of us wanted to wake up knowing the Packers should be playing in this in I this swear. Super Bowl. That's right. Ethan in the chat said, what's y'all's favorite Packer Super Bowl memory? Mine is Clay Matthews punching the ball out. The time is now. Boy, that's a good one. That's that's up there at the top towards on my list. Um, I'm trying to think. My favorite Super Bowl is obviously the one I experienced as a Packer fan. I wasn't a Packer fan in 96. I try not to claim that Super Bowl victory. But, uh, obviously, in uh, I started kind of following the NFL much closer in 03 and became a Packer fan right around 2003. So, the one in 2010-2011 is the only one I claim. In that game, you know, there's there's so many of them. There are so many of them in just that one game. I think of the Rodgers pass down the seam where the Pittsburgh defender gets his hand on the ball barely and tips it and Jennings still makes the catch. I think of the Jennings catch where Polymology just absolutely him. right? Yeah. I think of the, uh, the boundary throw to Jordy Nelson, the touchdown catch, right? But then on defense – Nick Collins' is pick six, probably the most important play in the game, if Clay Matthews isn't, you know?
2: It just shows you, like... We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase.
0: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
3: That was a different team, man. We did No one realized how special that team was, but um, I basically just stole all of them. So if it's one of them, you guys go ahead. But let's start with you, uh, uh, Jacob. What was your favorite Super Bowl memory? And maybe it is 96. Maybe you remember 96. I don't know. But uh, what's your uh, your favorite Super Bowl memory, man?
0: Honestly, I think, like you said, the most recent ones are from the 2010 season, but the two that I most vividly, vividly remember shaping my childhood was Desmond Howard returning it for the touchdown. And on the opposite side of that, the one that crushed my soul, which taught me how that life sucks and it's not fair and that it's going to poop on your parade. someday. when <sighs> John OA nose dove, did the freaking spinning helicopter. I watched my dad just, he stood up, he just walks into the other room and I just heard like a loud clank. And then I just heard like, like whiskey pouring and i'm crying uh whatever i was 10 you can cry there you go
3: there you go jeff Jeff silky in the chat said my favorite is reggie white closing out the game in 96 when you talk about dominate watching those highlights back to back the reggie home move definitely jen Wright in the house says collins interceptions up there too talking about the pick six i'm sure um completely agree tim what about you man what's your favorite super bowl moment I,
1: I'm gonna go back to '96. I was a I was a freshman in high school, and I do remember. I remember Brett Favre hitting Andre Ryzen, man, and just oh, Favre Favre just running like like it was a like we just won. Like and Holmgren having to calm him down, like Hey, hey Brett, we have like 95 percent more of this game to play. Um, but it was just I I remember in that moment not being afraid to lose that game anymore
2: that
3: picture right there you got it in, up there in the play yard above it it's it's far running off with his helmet in his hand and the play yard above it yeah
1: and it, and they use that highlight when you whenever you go back to like that super bowl they use that highlight and you you would swear that like that was the end of the game it's like no that was like the first drive for us <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but
3: and um i'm going to read the playoff to you here it's uh, and i don't have it wrote down i'm just looking at the formation But you basically yeah let me move my mock around as i the, the, set. you got the, 21-I, strong right, twin left, all right? And it was, if I remember correctly, it was play action. I'm not 100% sure, but it was max protect with a wide leak into the flat. But you ran kind of a switch concept where it was your, your, your number one receiver on the outside basically ran a post, and your number two ran kind of a rail or a wheel route up the sideline. And they switched to it. They, they changed the play to Razor, right? You, you guys, if you haven't seen that story, amazing. Favre said he was in the hotel all day long, and they were just doing reruns of the Super Bowl. And it was Joe Montana uh, audible into Razor in the Super Bowl, right? And he said, we had the same play call, a little bit different play call, you know, as far as the terminology. But we had the same exact check at the line. Come out, check to it. He said, I look over. In rising, and I can't remember who the other receiver was. They were in opposite spots. He said, I don't know if they were just goofing around, messing with me or what, but they were lined up in opposite spots. And I'm thinking, I hope he runs the right route. Sure enough, he does. Just, I mean, I love what Far said too. I think they had him mocked up at one point. And he said, Hey, there's, there, we're going to score a lot of points. He said, there, We're going to hit a lot of plays. Everybody's open. That's what he said. Bill Parcells didn't know whether to crap or wind his watch the whole day, man. He was just, he was on his heels the entire day. But yeah.
1: Uh, And uh, the other thing to remember about that play is, you know, our defense got it done. You know, we forced, we forced a punt. uh, And, you know, we had really good field position there. So I love, I love the, and of course you get a shot play, right? Brett Barr, we were getting right away. And, and to me, that just set the tone. I remember thinking like, oh, we're going to win this game, you know, not, not arrogance, but just total confidence um, in our ability to get it done. And yeah, a lot of great memories. from that Super Bowl, for sure.
3: Definitely. David Mitchell in the chat said, mine is when I took my son to Super Bowl 31 in New Orleans when he was 12 watching uh, Brett Favre and Reggie bring Lombardi home for the first time in my life made me numb. I bet that was absolutely awesome to be in the house, man. For sure, that was the
1: original pack is back, boy, right there.
3: <laughs> yeah, Chad Ink in the house said, I can see Jacob at 10 years old with the beard. Me too, man. <laughs> That's a Photoshop waiting to happen. <laughs> we'll pick a random picture of someone's kid and put a beard on it and say it's Jacob. he will just convince everybody that was Jacob.
0: Did y'all ever hear the story about Lil Wayne, how he became a Packers fan because his dad went to the Super Bowl in New Orleans and brought back all that memorabilia? Yeah, that, yep. you know, that, I love that dude.
3: Yeah, dude, his whole story is phenomenal. Like, his story of, of, you know, almost dying and the police Uncle officer Bob. saving Uncle Bob. Yeah. The people that like to race bait, oh, they hate hearing that story. They absolutely hate hearing that story. Oh, yeah. I love the fact that Lil Wayne is so quick to tell it every chance he gets, to. Yeah. Um, it's what I respect about him. He goes against the grain and, uh, you know, in truth, right? So, yeah, awesome story there for sure. So, all right. And he's a real
1: Packer man. fan, right? Oh, yeah. Like, J- Authentic Packer fan, not one of these, you know, the, you, you see them sometimes. You can tell they, they just got their shirt from the pro shop five minutes before they showed up on camera. Damn, Still Tim, got the price tag on it.
3: <laughs> Tim, come out here taking shots early, Jake. Oh, he you know I mean? Yeah,
0: here we go. So, uh,
3: <laughs> All right. We got a video. do <laughs> listen to much Taylor Swift. Um, we, need it, Jordan. we got a video here from uh, Packers.com. And um, Packers Daily, I guess you could say, and it's just kind of a recap from last year and kind of setting the stage moving forward. You'll hear Goody Soundbots. I think you hear Jordan Love in here too. And this is uh, Wayne Larrivee, actually. Uh, you know, the play-by-play uh, radio broadcaster for the Packers. I think the best play-by-play guy in the business. And obviously, I love it when he does these little bits with Packers.com. Packers.com been amping it up here lately, man. I love their content. So uh, let's check this out.
1: You know, I went into this year with not a ton of expectations. This is the Green Bay Packers, so we expect to compete for championships at all times. That's really the only goal. We're not interested in much else. You know, I'm very process-driven, as everybody here is, so whether it was early when we won a couple games, or whether it was went through the tough stretch in October, just really focusing on the process. As you do that, I think you start to see things,
3: and you see guys getting better, you see units getting better, and then it's just a matter of can you get better in time, you know, to get into the tournament and and have a chance. I think that was the exciting part was just seeing
1: the growth of the team and with that outside expectations change, right? And you, know, you go from you know, no chance to they better make it and then now all so now we're, we have a chance to maybe go really far in the playoffs. So that's cool to see, but from our part it's always really about the process and really focusing on that and that was really good throughout the year. Over its final 10 games, Green Bay went 7-3. and three becoming the first Packers team to make the playoffs after winning three or fewer games in the first nine contests.
0: Every year is such a long journey. There's a lot of ups and downs, trials and tribulations throughout it, a lot of adversity. But I was so proud of how these guys hung on, continued to fight, the battle. The team we were at the beginning of the year was certainly not the team we were at the end of the year. The willingness to work and come together and continue to fight for one another, I think that's absolutely imperative. And also reiterated to them that just because we got to a certain spot doesn't mean that's guaranteed moving forward. So what are we gonna do to get better? And the expectation is that when they come back April 15th, they're better than the team that left.
2: Back on three. One, two, three. Back. Man, stop playing with them. Stop
3: playing with them. Phenomenal job with that video, man. Absolutely love it. Um, love what Goody said there right off the bat, too. Jacob, we'll go around the horn with that. You know, just talking about. Look, I didn't come in with any kind of like you know real you know like specific expectations. The expectations are always the same here. We're no matter if we're the youngest team or the oldest team, we're here to compete for Super Bowls, right? Yeah,
0: um, I think also it's good to see the guys around. Kind of like when the guys, when, uh, when you see them like in the NFC championship or the what, whatever time when they lose in the playoffs, they watch the other team leave. They watch the other team celebrate. They watch them go, you know, if it's in the Super Bowl, they watch the confetti fall on them. They watch the trophy ceremony. I think it's good that Jordan Love has been around the circuit, <clears throat> that the younger guys have been, you know, around the atmosphere of what it likes to really see the bright lights, to really get that. And I don't want them to really see – the media aspect and crave that. I want them to see the championship. I want them to see what it's like to be a title. And I think Goody has done a really good job of, I still can't believe that this is quote unquote rebuild year one. And this is <laughs> right. where we're at in this stage. And I know that that has just got to make Vikings and Bears and Lions fans just absolutely live it inside. um And yeah, I just, I, I can't keep saying this, saying his praises, but I mean, to be where we are at this point with Jordan Love to be so poised, the receiving core to be where it's at. Um, I, I can't say enough about beauty and the way that he's constructed this
1: team. It's just unreal. I'm so glad you said that because I, I was gonna bring that up yesterday when we were talking, Clayton, that how awesome and important it is that there are so many rookie and first year, second year guys that have two two games of playoff football experience already. Bingo, you know, Bingo. and so Yeah. And it's important. Stand on that field and, and, and watch that team celebrate. So you remember what that feels like. So you, so you can be, use that as motivation to to be on the other side of that. I'm sure Jordan Love has played that first and 10 (laughs) roll across his body, through his head a thousand times. Um, you know, and you have to, you have to go through moments like that in your career. That's what, that's what makes you, um, you know, makes you battle tested. And, uh, Ready for the adversity that that every single season can present. So I just so proud of this team to to you know meet and exceed every expectation and uh, and to know that we still really haven't seen a peak yet, which is which is great. So uh, another draft from Goody, some more talent added. Who knows where where this team's going to go, man? We we could be uh, on the precipice of a of a dynasty of our own here again in uh, Green
3: Bay. Definitely, you know that's this is this was the pro to trying to go on a run and, and potentially who knows when the whole thing, right. You're going to get that playoff experience, which is absolutely huge. It's what pissed me off so bad about the poll they did where, you know, a a large majority of fans, it just, it's mind boggling that, and, and granted they did that poll. Wildey and Tausch did that poll immediately following a really tough loss. So it's kind of like you're catching people at their emotional, you know what I mean? Uh, Extreme. But for for there to be fans to say, I'd rather us lose out and fire Joe Barry than win out and make the playoffs. I'm, sure. I'm just like, God, this is I don't understand. Like, no nobody is you know sitting here screaming Joe Barry's a great DC, but you're want you want your team to lose.
0: You
1: know what right. that's called? What's spider that called? face. Michael Scott said it. Spider face. You cut off your nose, a spider face. I was thinking more of the the Dwight Schrute uh, ringtone, right? The idiot, idiot,
2: All idiot. All right, <laughs> hey, 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 hey! That's just the way we talk in the clink.
3: <laughs> you guys are out of control, man. Jeff Silky in the chat said, "My favorite memory from this season is the standing ovation after the Saints game. That was awesome." Oh um, Jordan Love with the with the comeback victory. We need to relive that. We need. To, what I'm going to start yeah. doing is pulling clips from Chalk Talk and putting them up and playing them on the show here this off season. So we can relive some of those plays. One of them is in that Dallas game, man. When, when Jordan Love came to the line, checked out of a play completely changed the entire play. looked like freaking Aaron Rodgers out there doing it and, uh and setting up that skinny post to Dontavian Wicks there against the Cowboys, man, that's yeah, one of my favorite plays of the year for sure. But again, the saints saints game, like you said there, Jeff, uh, that was another one that was like at home Lambeau field. Hey, Here's Jordan Love, right? That was kind of the coming out party. I know we hit some valleys after that, but that was the moment that everybody went, hold up a minute. What yeah, that hat? was
1: our first glimpse into like, oh, this is who this team is. Okay.
3: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Absolutely. Peter in the chat says, what do y'all think if we get the right players in free agency in the draft? Y'all think we could go to the Super Bowl next year? I think with how young we are. Uh, we could compete with the New New England as best dynasty. I'll tell you this: uh, they they're gonna they're gonna make a run at it. The only there's pros and cons to looking at that entire situation and, and kind of you laying out a potential you know dynasty run, right? the The bad news is you got to pay Jordan Love, right? You got to, and that's gonna eat up a good chunk of the cap. The good news is wide receiver room is set for the foreseeable future with minimal cap hits, right? Um, tied in set for the foreseeable future, minimal cap hits when you think about it, right? It's not like you're paying a tight end $10 million, or it's not like you drafted a tight end within the first 15 picks where they're eating up a good little chunk of the cap, right? Bakhtiari's cap hit's gonna go down or he's gonna come off the cap completely. This is what I'm trying to, the the point I'm trying to make. When you look at the cap situation across the league, the highest paid positions are quarterback. All right, we're gonna have to pay our quarterback. It just is what it is. Uh, left tackle, right? We don't have to pay a left tackle right now. We're probably going to draft box replacement. And if we don't get that replacement, Rashid Walker proved that he can play at the NFL level. Now, could you do better? I think you can. That's just my personal opinion. That's not the knock, Rashid. He's a late round pick, played really good last year. So you're going to have minimal cap hit there at left tackle when you, you know, all things considered. Edge defender, you paid Rashawn Gary, and rightfully so. Like I said, he's graded out in PFF above 80 the last three years. He's hands down your best defensive player, uh, especially with Jair kind of taking a step back the last couple years. But you've got that taken care of with Lucas Van Ness stepping up as your next edge once Preston Smith is gone. And, you know, I'd say in the next year or two, Preston Smith will be gone. You'll free up cap there, and you'll have a lower cap hit on the opposite side of Rashawn Gary, right? Now, you've got your highest paid corner in the league in Jair Alexander. We'll be able to reduce that cap hit, being able to push some of that money around because you've got him to that long-term extension moving forward. I'm not concerned with the cap. You guys know I'm never concerned with the cap. I used to be that guy. Four years ago, I was that guy going, we got to clean this cap up. And I'm telling you, I was wrong because it's very date sensitive. It's very date sensitive. Outside of that, you can do whatever the hell you want to do with the salary cap. It's just you've got to get ahead of it. And make sure that it doesn't sneak up on you like Zadaria Smith did, right? And and that's kind of happening with Bach right now. If that date's coming up real quick for whatever it is, March 14th. I would say they'd like to get some kind of restructure done by the 17th of this month, maybe by the 20th of this month. But Bach may not be willing to do that, and the longer it goes, you're more likely to see them just cut him outright as we get into March. So, um, but with all that being said, when you look at the highest the positions across the league that you spent the most money on. After this year, outside of Jordan Love needing an extension, you're in pretty damn good shape, man. It's exciting, dude. It is. So I think it's very attainable, uh, Peter. I really do, man. I think they could go on a – now, New England's is, you know, listen, it's the uh, extension, not the rule, right? I mean, you're talking about six Super Bowls, six Super Bowls in the span of, what was it, 15 years, whatever it was, 20 years, I guess, something like that, Um Yeah. I don't know, Jacob, that's a high bar. And I see you shaking your head. That's a very high bar, but I do think they are set for the foreseeable future. Right.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, absolutely. And for all the reasons you just listed, and then the fact that we're heading into a draft with quite a few picks. uh, So
1: we're just, and the fact that the new England Patriots never had a receiver room quite like the one we have. Yeah. Well, let's Let's be be honest. Tom Brady Brady sold the soul to the devil. It's clear. (laughs) That's what happened. Uh,
0: but, no, I mean, like I said, I, I this team, you've talked about it and all the major points. I didn't even really think about it. Even on that offensive line, in theory, we're – worst-case scenario, we're probably set for another solid year or two before we really have to start paying people. Um, and that's before, again, we even go to the draft. On the defensive side of the ball, it starts to get a little more iffy. You know, with guys like Quay, you have to make that decision in a, in a year or two. Like, where do we want to go with this? Uh, I really hope to see some guys taking that second- and third-year leaps, like guys like Wyatt and stuff like that. But, you know – You've talked about it, and all the solid positions, man. We're pretty set up. We just got to get that secondary bolstered around Jr. and then uh, Jair, and then I think we're we are ready to make a run
3: at this, at least for two or
2: three. <gasps> yeah,
3: <laughs> no doubt about it, man. Um, yeah. So, I you know, listen, I think I don't think you could ask for a much better scenario than we're look we're looking at right now, coming out of the the Aaron Rodgers era, like this. If you were to Tell me, going into last year, here's how this year is going to play out, and here's how your roster is going to look, cap wise, everything. I would say, oh, what else could have went better? I can't think of anything. You hit on you hit on your draft picks, low cap hits, like we talked about. That's going to set you up for the next three to four years. There's going to come a time where you got to pay these guys. You got to make the tough decision. My rule of thumb is, pay two. Be willing to pay two receivers solid starter money right? But no more than two receivers. So you're going to have to decide on those two receivers. The Packers blueprint has been pay one receiver, right? There's never been a time where they pay paid, paid two a lot of money. So for me, the max is two highly paid wide receivers. So you got to decide who are those guys. I hate to look at it like this, but I guarantee you, if you were to ask Goody, if you were to set a couple of daddy sodas in front of him and go, hey, let's be honest here. Which receivers do you want to see exceed, succeed? You want to see The youngest receivers on the roster succeed, so you don't have to pay those older guys when they come up for a contract. Like Christian Watson last year, you would be looking at Christian Watson going, man, that guy's going to break the bank, right, the way he finished the year. You look at how he performed this year, that value went pretty far down, right, not going to get as much money. So uh, it's not that you want your receivers to underperform, but the fact that he did underperform and he's battling some injuries – That kind of increases the chance of you re-signing him at a really, really good deal when his contract comes up. But the fact of the matter is him and Dobby are going to come up at the same time. You're probably going to have to choose between those two. Now, again, that's two years down the road. We don't have to worry about that right now. Don't worry about a problem you don't have, right? I'm just saying in Goody's mind, you know what he's thinking? If Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks can be the receivers of the future – we don't even have to worry about giving them big money. You've got all the leverage now. Them being Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson, you've now got all the leverage. So, not that you wouldn't want them back, but you would go to Dobby and go, "Hey, what do you think about that?" You you'd be a little more aggressive in offering a lower number, and maybe you offer it earlier with a little bit of security and a little bit of guaranteed money on the front side. You could find yourself giving him a contract extension next year or the year after, have him under contract for four years, and looking up at the cap hit, and it's only eight or nine million, right? because you've got Wicks and Reed as your aces in the hole. Um, I'm telling you, man, mark my words. I think Dontavian Wicks is the best receiver on this roster. I do. And I was seeing it since about, I guess it was about week seven or eight was when it started. Like the PFF grades, watching him run routes. Anytime he's on the field blocking, it's just like, again, Greg Cosell said it best. This kid gets it. I think he's going to be your wide receiver number one. The fact that Jaden Reed's probably going to be your number two moving forward. Oh, by the way, you got Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, and Malik or and uh, Bo Melton. <laughs> it's exciting, dude! All low cap numbers too. Pretty wild. So, uh, let's see. Jeff Silky in the chat says, "Clayton, do we have a safety with the skill set to play middle close on the roster? Could Nixon handle that role? Uh, Nixon could not handle that role, in my opinion. I don't mean any disrespect. That's not what he does." Um, he's not that, he's not that, uh, cornerback that plays well in space. He's kind of that guy. If you were to say, all right, you have the opportunity to put Nixon in the best position possible to succeed on this play. What would you do? What would the assignment be for Nixon? You know what it is? blitzing the quarterback. That's my opinion. He has an ability. He doesn't shy away from confrontation. He doesn't shy away from contact. Right. And he has a quick twitch and an ability to navigate between defenders, that's why he's a good returner, that's kind of his top role, right? So he's not a good man coverage corner. He's a little bit better zone cover corner than man cover corner, but he's more of that blitzer. His role needs to be kick returner, right? So I don't think he can play in space to play deep safety, absolutely not. As far as this roster, there's reports coming out, by the way. I say reports, there's rumors coming out. I'll talk about that in a minute. There's rumors coming out that Darnell Savage is going to return to the Packers. Now, it's not like, whoa, that's big news. We were kind of talking about he finished strong. This type of defense would probably play a little bit more in his favor. Um, Might want to go back and watch the 2019 tape, 2020 tape, when Mike Pettin was here and see what Savage did in that defense. I can't remember if he was the deep safety or not. But under this more recent one, to me, his strength, is rotating into the box, right? That's that's how I kind of see that. And and he can actually play slot corner, right, uh, from time to time. I don't see Savage as that deep third safety either, me personally. But I may go back and watch the 2019-2020 tape and, and change my mind and go, no, under Petton, he played deep safety, and it worked out good. Um, I just don't remember specifically. I've watched so many freaking games since that year. But uh, what I was going to say is I was reading through some reports on, on that, and there was another report that come up, and it was kind of one of those clickbaity articles, right? Where it's like um, the the Packers, uh, the Packers, uh, you know, drop breaking news on this specific player, like this superstar player. You click on it, and it's something we've known for two weeks, right? And they make it sound like it's breaking news. But I was combing through, and it was about Jair Alexander, and it was Brian Gutekunst's comments on Jair Alexander. Here's what's wild: I scroll down through the article, and there's a tweet. Guess whose tweet it was? It was mine. I was going, what? <laughs> my tweet was embedded in this article. It was wild. Copyright um, strike. Yeah, I'm going to hit you. No, it, was, it was funny, though. I was just like, hey, okay, that's kind of cool. Usually people will message you go, hey, just a heads up. I'm going to use your tweet. That happened with PFF. They messaged me and said they were going to use my tweet in their summary after a game one time. Uh, I think uh, specifically it was about Rashawn Gary. But anyway, it was just funny seeing it. It caught me off guard for sure. Now, how do you guys feel? Tim, how do you feel about uh, safety as far as middle field closing a roster? I don't think Nixon could play it, but I think he could find that guy. And here's the thing, too. Like Jake said, Jake has Newbin as his top safety. He just doesn't see Newbin as that guy that plays that deep middle third, right? Um, He sees that being more Kenshin's, I guess. Or he didn't specifically say, I shouldn't say it. He just said that he doesn't see Newbin as that guy. Me, I'm of the opinion, and I'm probably wrong here. Listen, you're either a good player or you're not. If you're a good safety and you can't play middle third, then you're not a good safety. I personally think Nugent is a good safety, but what do you think? Uh, what do you think there, Tim? I'm about I agree. think
1: if you look at the team and you talk about a corner that could go back and play safety, uh, the only guy that comes to mind we traded that would would have been Rasul. Probably could have been moved back into that role um, and probably handled it. But yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't think it's Keyshawn. Um, and I, I think, you know, what you said is so true and that's why, uh, he's been playing the slot, I think is because of the fact that, you know, he is good, uh, pressuring, um, you know, playing in that role. My my question is, um, are we going to see him there going forward? Because we know that, well, we don't know with certainty. But what we've seen on film with some of uh, Halfley's tape is, um, you know, man-to-man sets, the slot is usually the guy he's pressing. He is pre- playing man press a lot of times. You'll see guys playing off. We've, we've pulled a few screen grabs. But then your slot corner is pressed up man-to-man. That's not Keyshawn's strength. So I don't know uh, where we see him. But I'm with you, Clayton. I'd like to see him in a role where – You know, maybe he's number two on the depth chart as your, as your nickel. And then, uh, you know, primary return duties, kickoffs and, and punts, you know, let, put him out there and just let him be the flash and, uh, do his thing. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I stand. I don't, I don't see, uh, I don't see K9 going back to, uh, safety anytime soon. And, and I, I would also agree that we don't really have one right now, you know, right now, uh, let's assume Sab is back. Then it's, uh. You know it's Amp Johnson Jr. and Darnell Savage. Those are your safeties uh, right now. So clearly, we uh we do need to look to the draft, um, and grab exactly. at least one, if not two.
3: It's it's why we, as our off season needs going into free agency, going into mock draft season, then free agency, then actual draft season, we got four safeties and four corners listed as needs. Like you got to be willing to take you got to take that deep of a look to try to revamp this. You need a slot corner and you need a couple of safeties, really. And if Savage is one of those guys that you believe in to bring back because they can play a little bit better in this style of defense, then you're going to need one starter and a couple backups probably. But, uh, Jacob, what do you think, man? Any, any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I still think that I Newbin to me, looks like far and away the best safety. So I feel like uh, I would love to see him in that position. If not, I, yeah, I don't have a lot of faith in Keyshawn, and that's not to throw shade. I think that he's done fairly serviceable for the role that he's been thrown into. I think that, yeah, he's just more of a returner. And did we ever talk about whether or not Geno Stone would be a middle-close type safety fit, or is he a little bit outside of that?
3: We haven't talked about it. Um, we could probably look up and see where he lined up in PFF. It, it doesn't give a whole lot of detail in that regard, but we might be able to uh, gain a little bit from it to show how many times he played in the box. That would kind of tell the story, right? I'll try to look that up as you guys talk a little I bit. I think more. we
1: uh, glossed over Gino Stone a little bit because of the, the financial side, right?
3: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah his whole his, contract. Yeah. His, his PFF grade was, was fairly solid the last three years. And on top of that, his, his market value was, was down so much you know so his pff grade last year was 71.9 run defense 33.1 um but his coverage grade 84.9 that would suggest that he is kind of that that cover safety right and if we were to look at his snaps i'm trying to find it here and this isn't laid out the best here um let's see snaps 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 run defense snaps yeah it's not showing me his specific, where he lined up specifically here, maybe if I go to premium snaps, search for the above player, yep. Yeah. It's not pulling that up right now, but the fact that his coverage grade was so good and his run defense grade was so bad, that would lead me to believe that is your kind of center field type safety, right? Um, that At least playing to those strengths for sure. Um, Jeff Silky in the chat says, maybe the Packers go shopping in Tampa Bay. I'm sure he's talking about Antoine Winfield. That's going to cost you to the tune of like $18 million, I'm not opposed to spending it if you can get one of, if not the best safeties in the league, right? Um, So I'm okay with that, but the problem is they're probably going to look the franchise tag in. What you're going to key in on, especially with the dates coming up, I think I've got them right here. As a matter of fact, I'm going to pop them up on the screen. Franchise tag, okay? So if you look at our dates coming coming up here, um, you got the Super Bowl February 11th, obviously today, February 20th is beginning, uh, beginning this date through 4 p.m. New York time on March 5th. Um, clubs may designate franchise or transition players. Tampa Bay is going to have to make a decision. Are they going to franchise Mike Evans, or are they going to franchise Antoine Winfield? In a perfect scenario, they would extend Antoine Winfield with a contract and franchise Mike Evans. There's a chance that happens. So it's not just a slam dunk. As the reason I bring this up, Jeff. It's not necessarily a slam dunk yet that Antoine Winfield is going to hit free agency. Right? If he does... I wouldn't be opposed to that. Now, is there precedent for spending money on a safety when it comes to Goody? Absolutely. You guys remember he went out and got uh Adrian Amos, right? And who was the other guy? Didn't he didn't he well they drafted Savage, right? And they they went and signed Adrian Amos in free agency. So he has done that before, right? And ironically, that was during the Pettin defense, too. So keep that in mind, right? He may put more value on the safety position now that you're not. You don't have the intentions of playing shell coverage, and I say that I I, I say those words specifically because people are still convinced that we just played shell. We played shell, guys. We we played middle field close, fifth most in the league last year. We didn't play Fangio shell coverage last year. We just didn't do it. We played middle field close. We played a lot of cover, not a lot of cover one man, but when we were in man coverage, it was always cover one man, right? So uh, this whole you know misconception that we just played quarters coverage all year, it's couldn't be farther from the truth. So that could be why uh, Savage struggles because you were trying to show shell pre-snap and rotate to single high, and maybe he doesn't play well like that. Halfley has been on the record numerous times saying he doesn't like to sugar too much in the secondary. He likes to get people in position so they're ready at the snap. But he likes to sugar on the line of scrimmage, mugging the A-gaps with the backers, that type of thing, showing kind of a six- and seven-man front and then dropping those guys out of there. In some cases, brace yourself, 300-pound defensive tackles dropping into coverage. So, again, for those who were crying about Preston Smith being in coverage, don't be surprised if you see Carl Brooks dropping the coverage every now and again because they did it at BC. The question is, will they do it at the NFL level, they being Jeff Halfley's, um you know, his, his uh, coaching staff. So we'll see how that plays out too. Um, there's something else here in the chat. And Jeff, again, uh, thank you for the comment, buddy. We appreciate you. Um, here we go. Peter Stone said, "LOL, Douglas is potentially a free agent. Y'all think we could bring uh, we could bring him to us? I think there's a chance for that. Um, I'll tell you this: Jason Wildy on his pod earlier this this week, he made a comment. He had talked to Matt Lafleur, and there were several things that they kept off the record. But one thing that he did say to Mark Tauscher, and this is from Wildy, and people go, oh, I think he's lying. He." He could be lying. I don't believe he is. I think Wilde is an honest person. I believe that. But none of us have talked to Coach LaFleur. He has talked to Coach LaFleur. So I feel like his – not his opinion, but the comments he makes on this matter, he's way, way more informed than we are as fans, right? He said – and this is what he said on the pod – LaFleur was not happy with the Rasul Douglas trade. So that really kind of made me go, whoa. The fact that that got leaked out, off the record, on the record, whatever. I bet Goody kind of heard that. Which Goody knows if he got input from the floor. The floor probably told him, "Hey, look, you know, I don't like this move, or I do like this move, right?" So, um, just an interesting comment there, right? So, it, will Goody will Goody lower his ego a little bit and go back after Douglas? That would be a Goody move, wouldn't it, Jacob? You trade that dude away, you get a little bit of draft capital, and you to sign him in free agency, like playing chess, not checkers. I could see that. Uh, I
0: I don't know, man. I Results seem Result seemed like a type of guy that doesn't take much crap from anybody. So I don't know if you would like being passed back That's and forth. That's a good point. Like a, like a puzzle piece or a chess piece there. Um, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't love to have him back. I thought the guy was – maybe the, the voice of our defense. I, it would make sense to me as to why Matt LaFleur, it did seem like such a weird nonsensical trade for, what, what do we get a fourth or a third for him? And it's like, okay, I <laughs> guess that we'll take it. And like I said, who knows what happens with this defense down that stretch if we have result Douglas there, so.
3: Yeah, I'm trying to pull up his profile here on spotrack I want to see what his market value is. Um, I can find him man this looks weird today i think it's cuz i'm so far zoomed in but uh tim what do you think about it? Do you think there's a chance they bring him in as i as i try to find his market value i i, I don't know
1: <laughs> i tell you what though that would be some interesting uh <laughs> interesting gming for sure and then we come to find out that that was part of the plan all along hey rasul you're going to go finish the year in buffalo don't worry we'll see you next year we're going to bring you back uh right uh, i i don't I don't know. Uh, the one thing with Sewell that I'm concerned is the injury. He had an injury late in the season. Uh, I believe he got back. He played in that playoff game uh, with Buffalo. So I think he's he's okay. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd love to see him. I'm with Jacob. You know, I'd love to see him back. I just, I just don't know the actual likelihood right. of that happening.
3: This is going to get good. I'm going to go around the horn here. Jacob, how much would you be willing to pay Russell Douglas per year? It could be a one-year deal. It could be a three-year deal. Whatever. What would be the number you would put on him per year? Oh boy, uh, it's tough, I'd, ain't it?
0: <laughs> I'd do a one-year, maybe
1: four and a half.
3: All right, Tim. What about you?
1: Yeah, uh, I go. I go. I don't know. He's got to be worth yeah somewhere around there, five million a year. I don't know.
3: Guess what his market value is? Fourteen point four million dollars. What? So are we signing him for that? What's my market value? You know, once we trade someone, it's just like, okay, well, he must not be that good. And I heard podcasts every podcast. All of a sudden, Rasul sucked. It, not sucked, but they were just like, come on, guys. Our defense was bad. It wasn't like it's a big deal. He was he was our highest graded defensive player when we traded him. like Even higher than Gary, if I remember correctly. So that's something that's like.
1: I wonder how high our brass was when they traded him. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I'll tell you this. um, It's a hard pass for me too, as AFAM says in the chat. AFAM says, no way. 14 is a lot of money. That's what the market value is showing right now. It it could go cold. He might not get that kind of money, but that is what Spotrack is showing. Four less
0: than Antoine Winfield Jr. That's crazy.
3: Yeah. 14.4 million. Okay. They're saying market value is three years, 43.3 million, average salary of 14.4. Um, so basically the comps they used was Darius Williams. All right. Um, he's 29 when he signed, his was a three year, uh, $30 million deal. Darius Slay was 31 when he signed. It was a three year, $42 million deal. Cameron Sutton, three year, $33 million deal. James Bradbury, three year, $38 million deal. So you take that and you combine the production and everything. So his his GP percentage, 2.3%. His tackle per game, 33.4%. Interceptions per game is what boosted it, 64.7% because of those picks. Uh, coverage catch percentage, negative uh, 16.6%, and his rating of 8.58%. So his, midi- his median prime percentage change would be 8.5%. Average prime percentage change would be 18.4%. That brings his calculated market value in at three years 43.3 million average salary cap hit of 14.4 million again we all disagree but just like the housing market and anything else when it comes to business just because you think something's worth something doesn't mean that's the value the value of an a, a product a good a service in this case a player is what is someone else willing to pay for that that is the true market value and someone will probably pay him $14 million. There's there's a bad franchise out there like the Chicago Bears. I mean, a bad franchise in the NFL that will overpay for someone uh, simply because, hey, we got a need, we got a need, we got a need, rather than <clears throat> trying to think, you know, five or ten minutes down the road. I think I want him to get every dime he can get. I would love to see Sewell back on the Packers but not for $14 million, me personally. I would rather take a swing in the draft, possibly the first round, if one of these top five corners actually drops to you somehow, some way. I would be all about that, whether it's Quinion Mitchell, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Cooper DeGene, Nate Wiggins, or Terry and Arnold. I'd be okay with any of those five if somehow, some way they dropped to them at 25. It just ha- hasn't happened in mock drafts for us yet. As Quinion Mitchell soaring up the draft boards, Kool-Aid is just – a solid prospect. People still love Cooper DeGene. Nate Wiggins is solid. Terry and Arnold, kind of one of those quiet guys that played alongside Kool-Aid McKinstry, I believe, in Alabama, if I remember correctly. So, it's going to be interesting.
0: Have you guys done, because it seems like every year we do these mock drafts. We get our lists. We get our simulations going. And every year, when we get into the first and second and third rounds, we just seem to inevitably hear a name It's not on anybody's radar. It's not anybody's draft list. And remember last year, Clayton, he said that we were, we were learning from this. We were going to go back to the year before his tape. we were Mm going to look through if there was any sort of injury designation or any major coaching change, any like, you know, if the quarterback transferred that kind of stuff. Have we started to look at any of these trends and see random certain names that are guys that are not on a lot of people's radars that could possibly sneak into that first and second and third round? You know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say? Like guys on the bubble, maybe that'd be a Jake question for
3: all of the information isn't in yet, but what I did, I'm going to show you my board real quick. It's kind of hard to see, but if you look in the far left column, that B column, you know what that is? That is the 2022 PFF grade. So that is where they ranked in 2022 PFF. So I implemented that. So as you mentioned that, let's take a quick gander at it. So Look at your PFF grades. It's it's going to have the opposite effect as well. Like right here, Malik Neighbors, right? PFF grade in the C column is 2023 PFF grade. He was first at his position. In 2022, he was ninety seventh. That kind of makes me a little bit, oh, okay. But look in that left column for the guys who are ranked really high. Look at Quinion Mitchell, one and one. Slam freaking dunk, man, right? Let's go on down. Here's one for you, Graham Barton. Last year, he graded out as the 68th best uh, interior offensive lineman, right? Um, I, think, I think that's how it might be guard is where it's listed. 2022 is seventh. So there's one that might be on the radar.
0: Powers, but what you're
3: looking for for a common out, and again, I don't have all the prospects in, you're looking for that, that B column to be really low and the C column to be high. That would be the equivalent to what happened with Jaden Reed. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. So something to keep an eye on, and I'm going to try to compile this information, stay organized with it so we can kind of look at that. I'm trying to just glance here real quick to give you another name that kind of pops in that regard. Um, Graham Barton's the big one for me. Cooper DeGene is one, right? Look at Cooper DeGene. This year, 151st amongst corners, 11th in 2022. So that's one that might – and that seems to be – you know, when we talk about mock drafts and everything, PFF – uh, goes through and they do kind of their look ahead or what have you. Um, okay, that's that's not the right one. I have one that was a PFF draft one. They projected that we would draft uh, Cooper DeGene. So that's the name that keeps popping up a lot, not on our mock drafts, but other people's mock drafts, is Cooper DeGene. You guys know I'm a little bit lower on him because of that previous year's grade. Now, would they have taken Jaden Reed in the first round? Obviously, they didn't. Right. So the fact that you've got that question mark between this year and last year, I don't think you'll take someone like that in the first round. But when you get in the second and third, I think Goody kind of looks up and goes, you know what? He played really, really well last year or the year before. I, I think, I think we need to take a, you know, if, if he had come out in the draft the year before, where would he be ranked? I think they throw a little bit of that into the mix. At least that's what it suggests with Jaden Reed. Same thing with Luke Musgrave. Luke Musgrave was injured the year before, right? That's why a lot of people wasn't high on that pick when they made the pick. I was kind of all over it because I went back, I watched that, and I'm going, well, heck, he didn't have – you know, he was hurt. Let me go to the year before. The year before, I went, holy crap, look at this dude. And sure enough, man, I kind of implemented a little bit of that in my board, and lo and behold, we get on there on draft night, and I look back at that that big board, and I was like, I think this is Luke Musgrave. They pulled the trigger on him. I think it was a good move, too. Because the, they, rest,
1: the rest of us were all like,
3: who – <laughs> right, you know, I was we we all got hung up on Michael Mayer in the first round. I know I did. Um, Dalton Kincaid, another name that was getting tossed around. All those, right? You know, Sam Laporta. Nobody was uh, Were You on the Oh yeah. The Laporta, obviously, I think he was the best tight end in that draft. Right. Um, I, I feel comfortable saying that. I really do. Um, he he was just one that, like, large majority of the season he looked just a step ahead of all the other tight ends, not the dog, the others. It was a historical tight end draft class. No doubt about that. So, um, anyway, let's go around the horn. You guys got anything else, Jacob, anything else before we get out of here, man, we're going to do a mock draft, but we'll save it. No,
0: I guess everybody enjoy their Super Bowl Sunday. Um, (laughs) are you guys doing a night show at all or any kind of preview or I
3: I don't think so. Yeah. We, we got a bunch of people coming over to watch the game. So I would, I would probably say no. Um, uh, it, you know, if there's a chance we could we could get together before, like way early, I'll shoot you guys a text, but probably not. We'll probably just take tonight off and then go back to two shows tomorrow. Um, Tim, you got plans to watch Super Bowl too, man?
1: Yes, sir. Playing a little yeah, usher yeah. halftime bingo tonight with the misses.
3: I love it, dude. I love it. Getting creative with it. <laughs> it's just going to be nice to watch a football game and not be stressed out. You know what I'm saying? Like That's uh, right. Anyway.
1: And, you know, we can feel bad about us not being there, but, you know, like I said, things could be a lot worse. I could be a Bears fan.
3: Exactly. And listen, they're going to be a lot of a lot of chips and dip and a lot of wings, a lot of finger foods tonight, right, man? People out there, you you know, you're going to be uh, dipping into the trays. There's going to be community community dishes, if you will. So just remember this: wash your hands, wash your butt, man. That's it. That's that's all. <laughs> all right, let's keep it keep it sanitary out there. Jacob, you good, man? Tim, you good? Everybody good?
0: If you can though, you guys try to eat a pig in a blanket. In a blanket,
3: <laughs> <laughs> we call them hogging a the quilt down here. I like to call them hogging a the quilt. All right. That's so, <laughs> so, um with that being said, there was something I was go- something else I was going to say. Dang it, what was it? Oh, I, I got to get y'all's take. Who are you rooting for tonight? These are hot takes too, by the way. There's been a lot of arguing online. Who are you root? Don't don't shake your head, Jake. You got to choose one.
2: I'm rooting for the refs. <laughs> the refs. From Kansas City right?
3: Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, who are you rooting for, Jacob? you got to choose right now, man. Who would you oh, rather see God. win? This we know like you would rather nobody win.
1: Usher. Tie. Can it end in a tie?
3: <laughs> it
0: literally can't. Uh, I I guess the Niners. Yeah, I, I don't know. <sighs>
3: Mandy, just so you all know, she is off camera right now singing Usher and dancing. Hey, so Mandy. <laughs> Hi.
1: <Yeah.
2: laughs>
3: all right, so who are you rooting for, Jacob? With
1: a mouthful of vomit, the 49ers.
3: I like it. I like it.
1: Tim, you I'm not rooting for any of these teams. Yeah, no. you
3: gotta choose, man. I'm you not like gonna to root for to any them. of them. I, I
1: have no dog in the fight. Uh I'll tell you, you could you could bet against Kansas City in the postseason all you want. Um
3: It's tough, man. I'm,
1: I'm not about to do that. So uh, I'll give tough. you a prediction. I think the Chiefs win. Tell you that. If I
3: had to, if I had to put money on it with uh with Bet US the official sports book the Packers, Soo um I would probably put the money on Kansas City. But me personally, I'm rooting for the Niners. Just being honest, Kansas City. So s- I'm so. is gonna s- propose
0: to Swift. You know it's gonna happen.
3: What is it? What's gonna happen? JP? The Chiefs are gonna
0: win, and then the freaking confetti's coming down, and then Taylor Kelsey's gonna propose to Swift, and it's gonna be everywhere. And Jack, I don't listen too much Taylor Swift. Uh-
3: Oh, we're gonna give him (laughs) some. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. I wouldn't, but anyway, um, (laughs) L.C. goes down on one knee, right? Pops the question, tears his ACL, and says, "My knee." Um... (laughs) So there you go. All right, right, everybody, appreciate everybody hanging out with us. This is a lot of fun. I covered a lot of information. The chat was on fire. Didn't know how we would get an hour out of a show, but you guys carried. Carry the show the entire time so thanks jacob thanks tim for hopping in here we'll see you guys tomorrow morning for good morning lambo and we'll be back tomorrow night for pta live as well y'all enjoy the game everybody stay safe out there as always let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go pack go